Welcome to episode 288 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley, and we got the gang back together, finally. Hey. After weeks and weeks, we got all three of us here. Bryson, Jacob, you're both here. We've had a couple weeks off without all three of us here, so we've got a little bit of a check-in to do on the Blue Jays. We've got lots of stuff to catch up on with the trade deadline, with a big series against Baltimore, and of course, Los Angeles. But first, how are you guys? Well, uh, we came back to a... Of course, a rough series uh, from what happened at the this back end of this homestand. Of course, just another disappointing kind of uh, week this far, and I think that's putting it uh, lightly. And of course, after that as well, the trade deadlines occurred since. So definitely a lot to talk about. Happy to be here, but of course, we're at the state with this team again, where it feels like we're on a low before we get back up to that high. Yeah, it's been a. Uh, I mean, it's it like the Blue Jays have had a good ish last couple months record-wise, but it does not feel like it. And you look at a series like this, again, lose three of four to the Orioles. You got a couple games against the Red Sox. Like, this is just, it's, it's been a, I mean, you said it perfectly, a roller coaster of a season. I'm certainly sort of enjoying it, except for when they just forget how to play. But uh, it is what it is. Trade deadline's over. Uh, I'm not happy about that, but we'll get into that a little bit later. And let's just hope that this team can turn things around going into Boston. Okay, well, let's start with the trade deadline, because that's obviously the headline from this past week. The Blue Jays pick up Paul DeYoung, they pick up Jordan Hicks, and then if you want to go back a little bit further, they pick up Genesis Cabrera as well. Those are the three big guys, the three big moves they made. Uh, let's talk big picture first, our overarching thoughts on what the trade deadline is. We can go into individual trades, and then why don't we, at the end of this conversation, give our grade for how we think the Blue Jays did at this deadline. So I can start with the overall thoughts. And I think, uh, I don't know, like in the moment watching these trades happen, I think I was excited. Like it was fun to watch. The trade deadline is always super fun. And the Blue Jays seem to be aggressive. And, you know, as we always do, we had a whole bunch of rumors and, you know, names like Teoscar Hernandez flying around and lots of fun stuff going on. But I think... After the trade deadline happened and I kind of settled a little bit and looked at all the deals that actually happened, from my vantage point, the Blue Jays basically just replaced guys who are on the injured list with worse versions of themselves. That's all this was, right? The Blue Jays lose Jordan Romano to the, to the injured list. Jordan Hicks comes in. Hicks is wonderful, great pitcher. The velocity is what the Blue Jays need in the bullpen and that high leverage is what they need in the bullpen but he's a worse version of Jordan Romano. The Blue Jays lose Bo Bichette to injury. They bring in Paul DeYoung. Paul DeYoung is great as kind of a backup shortstop, good defensively, all right offensively. But again, he's a worse version of Bo Bichette, and he's going to be filling in as a starting shortstop over the next couple weeks. And then Yenisys Cabrera, I guess that's the one exception to this, although now that Trevor Richards is on the injured list, maybe you can peg him as the kind of replacement guy for Trevor Richards. So the disappointment has kind of set in for me where the Blue Jays are basically just replacing guys who are on the injured list with worse versions of, of themselves. And so looking at this trade deadline like that, Ultimately, I'm pretty disappointed with what the Blue Jays did 
Uh, Bryson, Jacob, where are your heads at? So here's the thing. Like, I agree with everything you said. Um, I- I'm not going to go out here on the women and say something crazy, but uh, it was a couple episodes ago where, or I might have even said this all season long, but basically what I was saying is if you're Ross Atkins, the core that you have right now, that is the core that if you're going to win a World Series or go deep in the playoffs, that is the core that's gonna you're going to do it with. It's not like, oh, we go get Teoscar Hernandez. Now we're automatically a better team. We're going to go much deeper in the playoffs. Yes, you will be a better team, but it's not like fixing that one area is going to drastically change the team. And I think that's what was so tough with this whole deadline is it's like, okay, if you go get a starter, you go get a reliever, even without considering any of these injuries, the whole issue is the team as a whole needs to play better. Like you look at George Springer with this huge over streak, he's still struggling. Like he was not good again today. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the series finale, yes, he drove in the only Blue Jay run, but he's been terrible these last couple of weeks and even month, if you want to say it. I mean, look at other players like Dalton Varsho, very disappointing season. Uh, you look at Chris Bassett, been an up and down season. Alec Manoa, terrible season. Bullpen's had its its, its issues. Adam Simber's basically been um, a no-show all season. And I'm just rapid firing all these names because it's like, this is the core that is supposed to take you deep into any type of playoff run. And so if you go and get, I mean, it didn't even make sense to go get a starter because of with the Ryu coming back. And regardless, you still have a bunch of starters. It didn't make sense for me to go out and make a big move. That being said, you kind of need to. I mean, you don't need need to, but if you don't, everybody's going to consider the trade deadline to be underwhelming, which it was. That's where I'm just like, it. part of me knows that it didn't need to be a big trade deadline given everything I just said, but it's also like you, when you hear Teoscar Hernandez, you hear that the Mariners go off and, and just trade, you know, their closer, they go sell a few more pieces you can't imagine that the Blue Jays are not going to at least make a big splash. We heard they were the front runners, and then nothing happens. And so, it's underwhelming. I mean, I think the best way to look at it is th- this was just... Like, I feel like this type of trade deadline makes more sense if it's like May or June, where you're not going out and making big moves, but you're just going and solving a few of your team's needs. Like, there's a few issues. Yes, Bobichet's now out. Your bullpen's been... I mean, bullpens are usually a bit of a of a mess throughout the season outside of your core like you had those pieces that you want to uh to build on or to to, to uh add to your team but there wasn't that much that I think Ross Atkins could have done and so it's underwhelming but big picture you did get Ryu back Chad Green's still uh a ways away I think is is the big thing that I've been hearing like he's not necessarily ready but Bo Bichette, Jordan Romano Trevor Richards prayers that all they miss is the minimum or at least a little bit more than the minimum I don't think that for any of them it's going to be an extended uh IL stint but knowing that then you you know you you still don't have Jay Jackson too that's another guy so like you have internally so many players that are going to come back and be factors for this team you almost didn't have to go out and acquire a huge big name player but it still does feel a little underwhelming and especially now I mean you look at it Blue Jays in the middle of this trade deadline uh, they lose three or four to the Orioles about to go play the uh, the Red Sox it's tough like you need I think at the end of the day Ross Atkins did the best that he could at this point it's you need to tell your core players your star players they need to be better like you cannot win if George Springer and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Matt Chapman are not having the type of offensive seasons that you expect them to now Matt Chapman's been good that I'm not going to say he hasn't been but if this is your core your core does need to be better but 
We will have to see. I guess I guess the only good thing is is you didn't see Ross Atkins empty the farm system or do anything ridiculous for a rental. So that's kind of it. I mean, we'll have to see where this team goes. We'll have to see who does truly come back, how long players miss uh, uh, miss time on the IL. But it just it was considering the hype that went into it and the whole like, oh, you know, Blue Jays are front runners for this player, this player, this team. They're all selling and then not a ton of moves were made. So it it just did feel a little bit of a, not a wasted hype, but the hype that went into it didn't translate to what uh, what the outcome was. But overall, like I'm not satisfied by the trade deadline, but I'm not excessively angry, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think overall, like throughout the entire sport, it just felt like it was a little bit underwhelming. I mean, as much as the Blue Jays didn't get that right-handed bat that a lot of us were hoping they would have gotten, uh, there wasn't a lot of teams in general who did that, of course. There was a lot of names who were centered around the Jays, like you talked about with Teoscar Hernandez. Tommy Pham was another name. Mark Canna. These were names that were talked about um, in terms of guys that were likely to be moved. And I mean, I, I'm sure you guys heard, heard what Ross Atkins said pretty much right after the deadline about, like, for me, it was it was odd seeing that because usually he's very good at, you know, repeating everything and kind of just showing really no emotion about it. But you can really tell, I thought, from this past time when he spoke that he, he did seem a bit frustrated uh, in terms of the fact that the Jays didn't get, you know, that one bat that they were probably looking for. And then he kind of added on saying, you know, some guys that were available didn't seem to be available to us. Now, I don't know if he's talking specifically about a guy like Teoscar Hernandez or other guys. Who knows what happened there? But for me, it was pretty obvious, especially leading up to game time too. I mean, the lineup card was released less than an hour before first pitch. Is that this was something that they tried to do right down to the wire. And they this was something that they actually were pursuing. It wasn't something that, you know, the entire time they did nothing. This was something that they knew was that important for their team. And really, it's been the one thing holding them back this year. I think the most part we can say, Jacob, you were going over some stuff, of course, with the pitching and everything like that. For me, and I think everybody can also agree to this, is that for the most part, and even just, again, entirely with this team, it feels like the pitching is there. The pitching's there in terms of the starting rotation. The bullpen had a really good run um, as of a couple weeks ago where they, they were the best in baseball in terms of ERA. Now, since then, I think they've dropped to around 10th in the league in terms of ERA. There's been a couple guys who have had, you know, their numbers have blown up a little bit. Um, a guy like Eric Swanson, for example, who, of course, in relation to that, might be a little bit out of gas and needed a little bit of a breather. And then there's guys like uh, pretty much who have fallen off the face of the earth and who are no longer on this roster. An example is Nate Pearson, Jay. I'm sure you're in shambles, but I don't he talk has, about it. He, he's turned into a complete disaster. He's not to the point where he can't even be on this roster. And a guy named Thomas Hatch is on this roster over Nate Pearson. It's just, there's some stuff that have happened in the bullpen, but of course a good stuff too, in terms of getting Jordan Hicks, getting a guy like Jay Jackson, who has been pitching himself in new high leverage situations when he's been on uh, with this bullpen. And I just to correct you, Jacob, Chad Green is also very close. He's currently in AAA Buffalo. He's going to throw again uh, within the next coming days. It feels like, Maybe by the end of that road trip or that next homestand, he might be available to join this bullpen, which will be huge. And of course, on top of that, you might be getting Jordan Romano back as well from the minimum. So for me, it's been the pitching that has been the strength of this team. And I think everybody can really say that without a doubt. The problem was in relation to the Blue Jays trade deadline plans is that the entire year, it's it's been crazy no matter if we've been recording consistently or recording once every week, the, the way it's been throughout the second half of July it comes back to the same problem. It, it It is ridiculous of how much it feels like Groundhog Day, no matter how often we record. And we just talk about the, the strengths of this team, 
and the weaknesses of this team. They are doing everything they can to figure things out. Of course, since we last recorded, George Springer is no longer in the leadoff spot. Whit Merrifield's now uh, batting first. People like Danny Jansen are still hitting six. A lot of people are advocating for him to hit higher in the lineup. It's just they're doing everything they can to change the order and just do everything they can to fix everything. But in real, in it just it's not working. It really isn't working. It's the same problem. They can get on base, and even this past series though they couldn't even get hits. But for majority of the year, or for the most part of the year, they can get on base. But the problem is, is that when there's that guy on second base, first base, or third, but no matter where they are, it's just the approach, I don't know what it is, the game plan, it completely shuts off. It is an entirely different team, and it starts from one through nine, which is the crazy part, besides a few exceptions. For example, Danny Jansen, who feels like he is probably one of the most clutch hitters on this team uh, for the most part of the year, and Bo Bichette, who has one of been the, most the best clutch player. Hitters. In baseball, he has the most RBI in the ninth inning. There you go. I don't know if it's just, I I think it's all of baseball. It might be just the American League, but he's been really, really clutch. And then Bo Bichette, who has been the best hitter on this team. Besides that, it is the same problem in terms of just people chasing like crazy out of the strike zone, just failing to cash in those runs. And it would have been nice to bring somebody in externally to help that. And in this case, it was a right-handed at-bat. May I add, it is very ironic how... It went from talking about this team needs a left-handed at-bat, this team needs a left-handed at-bat, and all of a sudden here we are eight months later, and now we're going back to the opposite direction in terms of what they actually did have in the past. I'm not here to harsh harp on anybody too much, but it's just kind of funny how that really changed direction very fast. And for me, it really was something that probably would have made this team a lot better than where they were right now. For me, as much as we can only have, and of course, at this point now, that's the only glimmer of hope you have, is that this is something that they have to fix themselves, blah, blah, blah. It's August. For me, as much as I would love to see that happen, and I hope to God I'm wrong about it, it's hard for me to envision any sort of drastic change at this point. We are in August, like I just said. It's just, I don't know how realistic those expectations are, but of course, the other moves they made in terms of bringing a guy like Paul DeYoung, um, he has been shortstop every day for the Cardinals, of course. He's got a couple years of team control, I believe, a team option for the next couple of years. When Bo Bichette is back, of course, that is an option who can potentially of somebody who can potentially go over and play second base and probably, for the better of the team right now, take at-bats away from a guy like Santiago Espinal or Kevin Biggio because, of course, off the bench and everything like that, they have not been providing this team anything with all due respect. And then it's the, it kind of spreads towards Whit Merrifield getting more time in left field taking at-bats away from a guy like Dalton Varsho uh, and maybe transition him more into a just a, a late-inning defensive guy or whatever it is. But, of course, he's still going to get at-bats. So I don't mind the moves they made. It felt like the Paul DeYoung thing was really completely related to Bo Bichette. Maybe it wasn't, but it just feels like that's what, the case of what it was to kind of bolster the depth uh, even more because Bo Bichette's going to be gone for at least the next couple of weeks. We don't know exactly when he'll be back, but of course he will be back at some point this season, which was the best news that this team ever had uh, because if he was shut down for the rest of the year, I don't know. In in terms of optimism, I think the op, like just that would be at a in terms of a meter, almost at zero uh, right now for that. And it just also seeing this past series again, as much as they struggle against the AL East and as much as it's tough to watch, you also kind of recognize when they're playing a team like the Baltimore Rose, who have, of course, taken over the AL East. It just shows you the difference of where they're at in terms of how easy it is for them to score a run when they get a leadoff double and everything like that. It is crazy of how much they have, of course, uh, ahead of schedule they've become, but they are everything 
that we want the Blue Jays to be. And it's just as much as, again, it's a tough watch. You just look at them play, and it's it's crazy how they managed to shut down this lineup with, you know, as much as their starting rotation isn't the best on paper. Against this team, it's dominant. It was dominant all series. And you just see the difference it takes in terms of how easy they make it look when they're bringing in runs like that. So for me, disappointing deadline because of the fact they couldn't bring in that righty at bat. I mean, it's something that probably would have helped. And again, internally is going to be the answer, unfortunately. Perhaps they call somebody up at some point to give somebody an opportunity, or maybe they look on the market for guys that were DFA'd or released. But for me, it was an underwhelming deadline because of the fact they couldn't do that. And here we are now in terms of one through nine. This is what you're going to get for the rest of the year. And you can only hope that they figure it out themselves. But again, how much confidence do you have if it hasn't already changed in the month of August? Yeah, like that's a problem to me. It's not the the issue with these individual trades because you look at them by themselves and it's like, yeah, they're good. They're they're passable deals. And I, I would argue they're good deals in and of themselves. Like getting Paul DeYoung, a guy who you said like technically has two more years of team control left because he has a team option for 2024 and 2025 to get him for what basically amounts to a no-name double-A reliever. No offense to Matt Svonson, but I had to look <laughs> up his name before we were doing this podcast because I had already forgotten it. Like, that's the type of deal that the Blue Jays win. The Blue Jays look good at. And, you know, you get two years of team control out of Paul DeYoung and they'll probably pick up his option. And when you look at the picture moving ahead at how Whit Merrifield's going to be a free agent and if the Blue Jays offer him a qualifying offer, he'll probably decline, and he's going to cost not a ton of money, but a pretty penny for some team. And the Blue Jays probably don't want to spend that much. Paul DeYoung is a good guy to replace him, to to come in there and be that kind of cheap, efficient guy off the bench or the guy who starts and bounces around a little bit or injury replacement. Like This in and of itself is a good deal for the Blue Jays. And same thing with Jordan Hicks. Like, I know he's a free agent after this season, so maybe you get a little bit more uncomfortable with the Blue Jays giving up what they did, which was Adam Kloffenstein and yet another no-name reliever who I'm going to have to look up right now, <laughs> Sem Roberts. A little bit less. I did recognize that name when yeah, I heard it in training. the deal, but yeah. point being, yeah. like, you're not giving up a lot in these trades, and I think Ross Atkins did a good job of preserving the farm system, not to say the Blue Jays have totally a lot going for them in the minor leagues right now. Like the names we were tossing around was like Spencer Horowitz and Addison Barger. And then this um, Casey Schneider. Davis guy. Schneider. Davis, Davis Schneider. Yeah. yeah, this guy was, it seems like he popped up out of nowhere over the last like two or three weeks, at least to me, as someone who doesn't follow the minor leagues a lot. Like the Blue Jays didn't give up a lot. So the point being, these trades in and of themselves were good. The problem to me is just, they just didn't do enough. Like it's, we had been talking for months, months about what the Blue Jays needed to do at the trade deadline. And it was hitting, hitting, hitting. We talked the last episode we have, my number one priority for the trade deadline was the Blue Jays to get an impact power bat. And they didn't do that. To me, that was the, if they, I would have been fine if they didn't touch the bullpen. If they made no improvements to the bullpen, I would have been fine if they didn't get a good replacement for Bo Bichette, right? I think Santiago Espo is not a deal. He could hold his own. They needed to get an impact bat and they didn't. So to me, that's a massive failure. And so it just feels like the Blue Jays are treading water at this point. Like they're not making improvements. They're just catching up to the injuries that are catching up to them. So that's what's the most frustrating thing about this deadline is. I guess if you're looking at the glass half full, you can look around the division and say, Okay, I mean, the Yankees did basically nothing. They made a deal at the deadline, like at the buzzer 
for a we're talking about no no name prospects so a no name reliever. It's Kenan Middleton, name I've never heard before, and that's the only deal they've made in like the last month. For a time there, it was looking like they were going to be the only team that didn't make a trade in the month of July. 29 other teams had, and they hadn't. So, point being, the Yankees didn't do anything. Red Sox did a tiny bit. They sent away Kike Hernandez. They get Luis Urias, but it's like it's not a significant deal either way, so they're not gaining ground on you in terms of the trades. The Rays and the Orioles are probably the biggest concern. The Orioles get Jack Flaherty, who, of course, we saw in the series finale. And then earlier this uh, this month, they also got Shintaro Fujinami, who we also saw in this series, hit a couple Blue Jays. So, I mean, not huge acquisitions. Maybe you say they're kind of on par with what the Blue Jays did. I think the Rays is probably the biggest concern. Aaron Savali in the rotation, and then in the bullpen, they get Manny Rodriguez, Adrian Sampson, and then they get a minor league catcher in Alex Jackson. So maybe the Rays are the most active. But, like... Glass half full, yeah, no one else really did anything big. But if you're looking at the wild card race, then you got the Astros adding Justin Verlander. Uh, I mean, the Rangers aren't really a concern right now because they're probably going to win the division, but they add Max Scherzer. So, like, you're looking around and some of these teams are making gains. So, I don't know. It just feels like the Blue Jays are treading water with this deadline, and that's not what they needed to do. They needed to gain ground, especially when it seems like they're gaining momentum in the AL East race. Um, okay, let's give it a grade. Um, I can go first, I guess. I give it a C plus. I'm not happy. I think this was a disappointment. Uh, and the saving grace is that each of the individual trades, Paul DeYoung, Jordan Hicks, they're good trades in and of themselves. Dang, uh, I want to agree with you. I'm going to give it... Okay, let me explain myself. Before I give this grade, it's nothing crazy, so don't like anticipate that. But um, I was looking at the standings here, and throughout the last couple of minutes, we, when you uh, both were talking, I'm like, okay, Blue Jays need roughly. They played 110 games. Roughly, you know, if you want to get to 90 wins, you got to go 30 and 22. I mean, I'm not saying that's realistic. It could happen, might not. We'll have to see. But let's just assume that the Rays and the Astros, the way the wild card standings are, let's assume those two play each other. This the way that this Blue Jay team is. I think that they defeat any of those AL Central um, leaders. I really do. So like, none all of the trades, like you said, are good. Are they good enough to cement you as a World Series contender? I don't know slash think so. But really, all you need is if if, if this core performs better. Even I think it was either Dan or Buck. Somebody in the uh, during the broadcast today said. If these players perform at just their average levels, this team is easily one of the best teams in the American League. But the League, problem so. is they're not going to. Like, it's obvious. I know, that's, like, yeah. It's, like Bryson was saying, like, the ship has sailed. Like, we know what this offense is right now. Mm. Well, is basically what I'm getting at is that if this team can at least perform somewhat like we expect them to, I still have, uh, I have faith. Well, I'm not saying I have faith in them doing that, but if they do that, I have faith in what they'll be able to do given these acquisitions, given getting Ryu, Green, all these players back. But regardless, I'm going to give it a B- minus because of that, all things considered. If you if you isolate it as just a contending team made very minor trades with the St. Louis Cardinals, not that exciting, but considering everything else surrounding the team, it's not that bad. I'll go I'll go I'll go with the just a basic C. I pretty much for the same reasons I had. I just it just felt like that at that bat that they were trying to get would have 
Of course, I don't know if it would have solved everything, but it would have put them in such a better position to, again, get out of this. Maybe that was one of the things that could have turned this team around, adding a new guy with some power and everything like that. Again, this is, from what you saw in April, this is what you're getting for the rest of the year. Everything is going to have to be and come within. I don't want to pretty much go around in circles for the you know for too long, but again, it's just... I'd love to be wrong, and hopefully that does happen where they make they catch lightning in a bottle and they go on a huge run. That would be great. That'd be fun. It's just it feels like uh, it just feels like the chances are near zero, and for me that's not good enough. And of course, for a lot of people, that doesn't seem like it's good enough or just believable either. So that's why it's just for me that's the biggest part. And I mean, it is truly it does feel like again this is the one thing that's really holding them back because we've talked about the strengths of everything else. And I mean, you are right though, Jacob, in terms of what they were saying. What they're saying on the broadcast is not wrong. It is 100% correct in terms of that they could just make that average at worst. This team would be winning more games. I mean, again, you look at this prime a prime example from this past series. The only game they won came from a couple hit batters and scoring on an error. That is how they won game three, um, you know, throughout this series. They didn't, as much as it was a good win, and it was, of course, it's better than getting swept, that's how they won, and I get it, a win's a win, but it's just an ugly way to win like that, being the only one of the series. For me, it's just, again, it just it proves the difference in terms of how far back they are from a team like the Orioles, who obviously have a really good chance of winning this division, and if not, at worst, they're going to be one of the first wildcard spots. So that's why it's a C for me, because they stayed where they were. You know, again, it's not the worst thing ever, which is why I think it's a C and it's not a D or an F. But in by no means is it worth more for me than that because of the fact of what they did. I mean, again, it's good that they got some more depth for Bo Bichette uh, in the event with, or as, of course, with Paul DeYoung. And when he comes back, they can probably mix in both of them at the same time. And we've talked about the bullpen with Hicks. He can throw, he throws very fast. It's a great late inning option, of course, when Jordan Romano comes back as well, when he goes back to closing. So, those moves are good for, um, to, I guess, help them a, a bit, but it's not going to make a, it's not going to be that difference maker for them. So a C for me is an appropriate grade, I think. Final thought on the trade deadline is we keep talking about that potential extra bat, and I think like maybe there was one trade that didn't happen that the Blue Jays were trying to make happen, but it didn't. Um, and the Oscar, yeah, like that's what it's that's what all signs are pointing to because you think about the fact that like yeah they were holding the lineup until after 6 p.m and smarter people than us like Mike Wilner was saying like I I guarantee you basically there's another trade coming that another trade just never came so like yeah I part of me wonders if there was just a trade that was in the works that didn't get done fast enough or Seattle ultimately decided not to sell because obviously they didn't move to Oscar anywhere so I don't know just uh just weird it, they didn't do enough and none of us are happy, it seems like. Um, okay, so there was a series this week, and a very big series at that, that we haven't talked about basically at all. The Blue Jays lose three of four to the Baltimore Orioles. Um, high hopes going in, a lot of momentum with the trade deadline, excitement, and it ultimately doesn't pan out. A couple of rough games in there, a 13-3 loss is the headliner. The one game the Blue Jays get, as you mentioned earlier, uh... Basically, the Blue Jays didn't win. The Orioles lost it. Um, the Orioles drive on. They they hit two guys with the bases loaded, and then 
Um, what's his name? Jorge Mateo at shortstop flubs that ball, and the Blue Jays get another gift and another run in, and they end up winning that one four to one. And that's the only game they take in this series. And of course, you also got Bobachet getting injured in the first game. So just kind of a nightmare overall for everything that happened in this series. Um, I I guess one highlight is George Springer. He got the monkey off his back. He broke his O for thirty five streak which tied the longest hitler streak in blue jays franchise history tying him with danny jansen and ed sprague um certainly a record he didn't want to break and he was very happy when he only tied it and didn't break it um in that 36 that bat um yeah i i don't know what what do people think about this series it's like part of me expected it because it's the al east and it's like Par for the course for how the rest of the season is gone, but part of me is really disappointed because it's go time. Like, from this point forward, everything is downhill. And I don't mean that in everything is going to get worse. I mean that in everything is picking up speed from this point forward. Like, every game is more important than the last. Every pitch is more important than the last. Every ball fouled off the shin is going to be more nerve-wracking than the last. Every cramp or tight muscle or whatever. Like, every late minute scratch, it's going to be more important, more nerve wracking than it was the day before. And so it's go time. The Blue Jays needed to win these games if they wanted to make up ground to make that ALEs just a little bit closer. And ultimately they lost ground. So yeah, I don't know. Frustrating series overall. I'm curious what you guys think. I'm very mad about this series. I, I'm not even going to lie. Like I know they won uh, the the third game of the series, which like it's it. They should have got swept. Like, I hate to say that. Obviously, I was in attendance, but this team should not have won that game. And like you said, the Orioles lost. The Blue Jays did not win. And it's like, you look at their record and it's like, okay, 60 and 50. That's not bad. You know, if you, if that's not, I mean, I talked about a couple minutes ago, but like, I'd be confident in them winning the first round of the wildcard series. Most likely, I mean, if it was right now, it'd be in Minnesota. I'm confident in that, but it's ridiculous that this team has not won a single game against the Boston Boston Red Sox and has won two games against the Baltimore Orioles all season long. You can you cannot like you cannot be this bad against your division. And I mean, I guess if they're going to pick a season to do it, I guess it's better this season than last season or else god, they probably would have been lucky to crack 50 wins at this point if they you know had the same schedule as last year, but it's ridiculous in my opinion. Like you look at it, uh, you know, Chris Bassett in that, in the, in the first game of the series ended off with a bit of an ugly line. Like I know he was battling, but wasn't very good. And then you look at the, you know, the second game, everyone's like, Oh yeah, Ryu's coming back. Uh, I had a conversation with somebody. I think it was before I left for the game yesterday. I'm happy with his start. I'm not going to lie. doesn't look great from, from the, uh, the final line, five innings, nine hits, four earned, uh, three strikeouts on a walk, but like really, except for a bad first inning and just a fluke home run to end it in the sixth, like it was a good outing, I think, Consi- considering that this is a good, I guess, just a good beginning for him to start his season. But then it just completely unravels. And you mentioned Nate Pearson again, like, or like earlier in the episode, it's it's not good. Like the you can't be. You got your over. It's fine. Yeah, no, I don't even care about that anymore. Like you can't be, you can't be a flamethrower that that throws a hundred and then just be like, ah, oh, you know, ninety five is is good enough. Like you can't do that. I know ninety five is decent, but not when that's 
like if your whole your whole thing is that you throw really fast and then you're going to throw just a little bit above average and then your your secondary pitches they're not going to break you're basically a worse Marco Estrada if that makes sense like and it's not the same comparison at all but you know what I mean like he he relies on speed and then fooling them I don't know it's probably the worst comparison I've made but um Anyways, what I'm getting at, had worse. <laughs> what I'm getting at is, uh, that's not good. Like you, it was a brutal, brutal game. And I mean, again, you look at it, five hits in that game, like you got destroyed. And even today, the, they were just grossly out hit and it was just, it, it's a terrible series. And you, we talk about how, you know, standings and uh home field advantage, those are going to matter. Like you look at the AL East right now, the Blue Jays went into it. They lost two games to the Orioles uh in the in the division this this week or this this weekend like it this is not what you need to be doing this is not what you can afford to be doing and now you look at it in this series against the Red Sox uh they <laughs> Blue Jays if they lose this series they're going to easily drop down to fourth like this is like it's it's looking ugly for them and that's just it. It's just what making September look ever more uh, more nerve wracking. I don't know August just began, but you, like you get what I'm saying. Like if you just throw away series, throw away games, like eventually you might not be able to make these up. And you remember a couple seasons ago, obviously they miss out by one game. Um, and you look at 2016; they had a huge falling out. I know it's a completely different core, but they had a huge falling out in September. Just barely squeaked into the playoffs. I don't want to see this where this team makes the playoffs, chokes so badly last year, they make additions to make the team better, and then they miss the playoffs because they're just not performing well. And it's it's very concerning. Like, I, I don't know what it is. Like, I'm, I'm talking about a team that is 10 games over 500. It was 12 or more at a certain point, like, like even a couple days ago. Like, it is a good team that just does not perform when you, when you think they will and when they're expected to. So... We will have to see. I think what goes uh, what goes after this. I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. Manoa's starting, uh, or at least projected to start tomorrow. Just looking at um, at the score, looks like they then get Barrios um, and Bassett. Like it's, I know. Like we'll talk about series predictions later. I'm not going to dive too deep into that. But I'm a little nervous. You're going to Fenway. You haven't won against the Red Sox. You've got a, two wild cards, in my opinion, going for you this this series. You need to win these games, and you need to, you know, you need to be able to take games from your division. And even this game, like it, the the last game of the series, you lose six one. It doesn't look good, but they had the bases loaded, one out at one point in the game. They score nothing. The only run is a bloop single from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And it was it was very much a winnable game for pretty much the entirety of of that game. And even you know, I mentioned yesterday's game where they only scored basically because the uh, Orioles forgot how to pitch and play defense. Like this cannot happen. You cannot be a competitive team that can't win against your own division. And we will have to see. I th I, there's going to be a lot of, I think talks over the next couple of days, obviously the trade deadlines passed. It's not like you can go and reacquire somebody or do anything, but it's going to be, I, I'm, I think it's going to be a very grim flight to Boston. And, you know, let's just hope that something turns things around because you obviously know you're without some of your key relievers. You know you're without Bo Bichette. You're you're going to need to be a much better team if you want to have any uh, shot at competing in this division. And it's got to start by just turning things around uh, in Boston. Yeah, on top of that too, a lot of people are also 
previewing how easy of a schedule Boston has after this series. So, I mean, that, of course, that just all salt to the wound right now with this team. But, like, for me, I get to the point now where, first of all, whenever there's a base hit, I don't get excited. Or if there's a double or something, I don't get excited. And then when I see the runners on, I always ask myself, how are they going to manage to screw this one up? And it just feels like majority of the time, of course, it doesn't feel like it. It has happened. They find that way to do it. And it's it's creative sometimes. Sometimes it's just basic double plays or whatever. It's just, it is remarkable how bad it, it, it is. I don't, like, we've never seen it anywhere close to this bad. I don't think there's really a lot of people that have watched the sport even longer than us that have seen it this consistently bad. And there's just... There, there's no really way of explaining why or how, and I mean, other when they're not playing AL East opponents, they are still a, they're they're a good team. They still are, of course, they underachieve in all these categories. But then when they play the AL East teams, it really just for some reason, again, not explain with no explanation on why or how, it just it really gets ugly, and it just it gets it it gets to the point where they get flat out exposed. Why, again, don't know. After what happened against the Red Sox, they basically won every game against the Red Sox last season. And then this season, it's completely turned around. And yeah, I mean, they go from a series from what just happened now. They're going back to Fenway Park where they got swept. Of course, they've been swept both times. But like that was also like both series against this team or the Red Sox this year were just flat out ugly. The last series before this one against Baltimore, ugly. They got to go back to Camden Yards near the end of August or the middle of August. Not looking forward to that one either. But I mean... And by that time, too, I mean, I think we're, a, a lot's going to be said about where this team is. You talk about the possibility, unfortunately, that at the end of this weekend, this team could be in fourth place. And then, of course, the whole strength of schedule thing with the Red Sox having an easy pathway for the rest of August. Who knows where they're going to be? It's just the cards stacked up against them right now. It's not a very good deck. And that's why it, it just it gets you nervous because of what we've seen and the amount of times that you can hope and hope and hope. And, I mean, again, we're in August nothing's changed this is the way they are you got to hope they squeak away with of course two wins um at this point i think we're fine in terms of getting one win of course it'd be a failure either way but i mean it's just the confidence is that low right now um of where we are and i just it's just it's crazy if it feels like they're just miles behind a team like the orioles and of course i get it they're still somewhat in the division for me I know they're not, of course, far from mathematically being out, but for me, this this last week I thought was a wrap uh, in terms of their chances um, getting back in the AL East. Of course, there's still time for that. It's just I I didn't see enough to be convinced that they are going to be able to make up ground. Of course, something has to happen to Baltimore at this point if they're going to if they're going to make up ground. And in, in terms of a reverse thing, we're in August and they haven't even slowed down. They they've gotten better. They caught the Rays uh, from what happened at the beginning of the year. So that's why. It just for me, it feels like the chances again are near zero. So that's that's where we stand. Um, there's no way of forecasting how optimistic you can be for this weekend. Of course, based off of result, it's been junk uh, against the AL East, and the fact that you have to go to Fenway Park um, after what happened this week again, it's just another like it just for me. There is no excitement uh, for this weekend at all. Um, I wouldn't even say it's nerve wracking for me. It's just for me right now, it just feels like there's no emotion and it's just kind of dark uh, in terms of where we are with this team right now. Again, when they're not playing the division, it's not so bad. It's, it's a real, it's a good team that's in good contention, but it's just, they get flat out exposed for whatever reason um, when they're playing division rivals for whatever reason it is. So 
Perhaps somebody gets hot throughout this weekend. A guy like Vladimir Guerrero Jr., George Springer, I don't know. Um, at this point, surprise me because I'm done guessing. And uh, we will see what happens from there. Hopefully they don't get swept. Hopefully they take a game. And I mean, ideally, and I guess in terms of being an optimist, hopefully they get two um, this weekend. But of course, that's asking for a lot right now. So let's just be careful with that. And we will see where things play out. Those are high hopes if you want two games at Fenway with the way the Jays. Oh, I know. It's just, yeah, it's not good. I know this is beating a dead horse, but if the Blue Jays went just 500, 500, perfectly average against the AL East this season, right now they would be 24 games above 500. 24 games above 500. That's practically where the Baltimore Orioles are, one of the best teams in baseball. Right now, the Blue Jays are 10 games above 500. That's a 14-game difference just based on the AL East alone. It's, again, like we're not covering new ground here. Everyone knows these days. It's just mind-blowing and mind-numbing. And, yeah, you see, it's like it's a, a feeling of dread knowing that we've got basically seven games in a row against the AL East. And then, you know, you got, I guess, a little bit of a respite against Cleveland and Chicago and Philadelphia and Cincinnati. And then you got your final series of the season against Baltimore in which, like, I, I, I'm i not ready to say the division is a write-off. Like, I still think they have a very small chance of the division. But uh, I, I think that series against Baltimore will be your real final chance. Like, you got to do big things in that series if you hope to even come close to the top of the division. So... Yeah, near zero. Not quite zero. Uh, what do you want from theory alone, to quote quote Oppenheimer? But uh, near zero. It can only take you so far. Yep, yeah, yeah. Near zero, near zero odds in the at least. Um, okay, I Actually, mean... We... have you seen the the last literally two weeks of the season? <laughs> yeah, let's it's not, Tampa Bay. Yeah, let's, it, yeah. It's all at least. Boston, New York, Tampa Bay, New York, Tampa Bay, Bolt, like, oh... Let's just let's go one series. At a time. Let's focus on the Red Sox at Fenway. Oh could, my gosh, I don't even want to think about if that. If things keep going how they are, like the Jays could realistically, <laughs> if they play at the pace they've been against AL East teams, they could realistically they the be a 500 team at the end of the season if yeah. they crap the bed in those. It's not good enough. But anyways, they could miss the playoffs. Actually, you know, I might are, say yeah. I, I mean, not I already said it, but let's pretend it. Okay, yeah. uh, we touched on it a little bit, but the other standout from this series that we should talk about is Hinjin Ryu. Because, of course, he makes his triumphant return after more than a year spent rehabbing from Tommy John surgery. I, It's not a perfect start. I don't think anyone expected a perfect start. He got away with a lot of mistakes, and he kind of squeaked out of a lot of jams there. So, it, to me, looking at his final line is a little bit generous because I think he got lucky a little bit. But his final line, five innings pitched, nine hits, four earned runs, one walk, three strikeouts. Um, I don't know. you got to start somewhere. I don't think it's a terrible place to start. Uh, I guess quickly to go around the horn, what do you guys make of his debut? I thought it was good. I mean, I said this earlier. I That's generous. W- well, okay. Was it ideal? Describe Not good. Okay, hear me out. Ignoring the final score, because that was not at all Ryu's bad start. That was your boy Nate Pearson's fault. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to talk Grand about slam. that. But um, you talk about... Um, hold on one second. You talk about... So the Orioles scored two in the first, one in the in the second. Yeah, that's not a good start. I know he got like the first two or the first pitch that he threw of the season was a double, and then the next batter, you know, gets on. It wasn't a good start to it to his start, if you want to call it that. But what did he do? He limited the damage to some extent in the first, again in the second, and then he was cruising. 
to an extent, and I keep saying to an extent because, like, all things considered, it wasn't awful. And you, let's not forget, he left with 80 pitches. Like, he could have, uh, what we heard is that there was not really a, a pitch limit on him. So he could have gone out to, uh, it, uh, he, he could have gone out to 100 pitches. Like, he could have tried to get out of that sixth inning. But Absolutely not. It's, look, <laughs> I saw that game inning for inning. I mean, all did. after it was after he was out i was like yeah okay let's just go play some mario kart like i'm not watching this anymore but um <laughs> it's it was a terrible ending to the game but uh put it this way i think he gets another two starts minimum before they make a well, decision he's getting on start, what he yeah. yeah uh where he goes like and if you're if you're john schneider i i don't think that you can be overly disappointed by this considering that he's in my opinion he's above schedule or ahead of schedule didn't have a terrible start against a good team. Like, yeah, four, uh, uh, four earned runs in five innings, not great. But let's not forget, the, the last battery face was just a, a a wall scraping a home run. So, could have been worse. I'm not disappointed, necessarily. I mean, ideally, you have these types of starts in spring training, but let's just consider it as spring training. So, uh, I'm excited for what's to come from him. I'm excited to see how the Blue Jays will use him, but it he will still, I think, need to improve um, on it. Yeah, he's definitely going to get a couple more starts through. And yeah, it, it definitely wasn't disappointing. Like, I don't know. It's, I mean, of course, I haven't even asked you guys, but like, the expert, I wasn't expecting six qual, like, scoreless innings from him. Like, I, I but I wasn't all, I wasn't expecting him to get lit up. Like, I was fine with what happened. Um, but of course, I thought, of course, there's lots, first of all, lots to improve on from him. Uh, you talked about it. Like, the entire game, really, he was pitching from the stretch. But, Again, it was his first start. Yes, they're going to go through it a couple more times. They got to make a decision on that because who knows? I mean, of course, ideally, I think it means eventually one guy is going to go to the bullpen and you can only really single out a couple people in this rotation, including Ryu, who might be a bullpen option down the line just because they are eventually going to go back down to five people. This is kind of a short-term thing. But yeah, like it was good to see him back on the mound, first of all, and you know, I was for that was just the the good part for me on that one and yeah again wasn't expecting him to go six scoreless but you know I thought he had some good at bats where he uh, his stuff looked good I mean and that was probably the three strikeouts or two strikeouts that he had where he did have a couple where he it looked like um you know he he's still working his way back and I was fine with it but of course there was a lot of hard contact early on and everything like that but the other thing is and looking at the big picture. He was not the reason why the Jays lost that game. He kept them in the game. It was still, you know, close when he was pulled. Um, that's the other part that I look at and kind of feel better about too, knowing that, you know, he gave them a chance to win. And it just, you know, if you want to look at other kind of starts this series where people were mediocre, I, I also look at a game like Chris Bassett did in the series opener. It would just, every now and then, when these sort of starts happen, it would be nice if the offense can put them on their back and pick them up a little bit. That's all I'm saying, because as much as we are fine with this pitching and saying it is good enough, there are going to be moments where starts like these happen. It'd be nice to pick them up every once in a while and, you know, carry them um, across the finish line, because that's pretty much happened for majority of the year from the pitching side in terms towards the offense. But I mean, going back to Ryu, he's going to get another couple starts, like you said, Jacob. Um, of course, a lot to work from. I definitely would like to see improvement of him going into his next start, uh, which will probably be, it will be in Cleveland, I believe. So that's where I think the next start for me is going to be even more interesting because we saw where he was at the originally. Of course, his velocity 
was touching around, it was usually around 88, 89. There was a couple where it went over 90, 91. That was something that wasn't exactly existent during his rehab outings from what we were, what was reported on. It turns out, for the most part, it, it was a little bit below average before he had Tommy John. So maybe that was adrenaline. I don't know. I don't know how nervous he was. Of course, as much as it was his first start back, he was probably excited. He's also been there, done that before he is a vet. So I just, it's, for me, all the, more questions will be answered uh, when he gets another opportunity his next time around. But I, it definitely was, for me, it's a fine starting point, but I'm not overly excited about what happened in terms of his start. But again, I think being fine with it is a fair assessment. And of course, with tons to work on in terms of limiting the at-bats, or not, sorry, limiting the uh, amount of base runners he had. And of course, on top of that, limiting the hard contact that was um, pretty much presented in front of him on that one too. Yeah. It's a starting point. That's all it is. And I would never go as far as call it a good start. Um, okay, so we do have three games against the Boston Red Sox coming up. Um, I don't know if Boston totally has their rotation figured out. They're listed as TBD for Saturday and Sunday, at least on the MLB app. Bryson, you always seem to have better luck than I do finding the probable starters, so I'll let you find them for Saturday and Sunday. But Friday is going to be Alec Manoa. James Paxton, Saturday, Jose Barrios versus, do you have it? Uh, as of now, it's projected to be Nick Pavetta. Okay. And then Sunday, Chris Bassett versus? Brian Bale. Okay. There we go. Um, I guess I can go first on this one. I, I think the Blue Jays lose two of three. They lose oh the Manoa God. game. They lose no. the Bassett game. I think they win the middle game, Jose Barrios. This is tough because, like, what do I think? I think I'm going to put some faith. I think they win the Manoa and they win the Barrios game. Chris Bassett, like, look, I'm sorry. This guy is a coin flip at best. Like, he sometimes is good. Sometimes he's just he's just terrible. Like, let's be real here. Like, I hate saying that. But, yeah, I'll take two of three. I hope the Blue Jays can turn things around. Let's let's hope that they're having productive conversations on the plane right now. Like, let's be honest. Like, th- something needs to change, or else this team is gonna just just fall throughout the standings even more. So, I'll uh, do what I usually do: make a bit of <laughs> more of a risky move than I probably should. But I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, or I mean, I'll be surprised if they win two of three. But I'll be happy. And I, I think that it could happen. They win two out of three. I can't even imagine where my head would be at if I had the same exact conversations time in and time out and it'll you happen also, it'll happen but, but you figure also they'd get sick of it themselves like it's just we've already talked I, I it's it's hard to explain i the other thing I, I don't understand with you in terms of calling chris bass at the coin flip you're not willing you're willing to bank on alec manoa getting the win over him for me that's a little shocking sorry no, if no, you no. want to call someone a coin flip the thing, okay. Well, to be fair, Chris Bassett's been more consistent this season. Well, consistent with like, but sorry, what I mean, coin he's flip. no, no, no. <laughs> he's pitched more this season, is what I mean. Like he's okay, he's okay, been out okay. there more consistent. Has he been good? More consistent? <laughs> Not, I mean, sort of. But anyways, Absolutely. I think Alec Manoa. What what world are you I mean, living in where Chris Bassett is less consistent? He didn't than have to Alec pitch Manoa. against nineteen year olds in Florida. Yeah. No, okay, well... <laughs> he didn't give up, what, eight runs, ten runs to 19-year-olds on the backfields in Florida? Like, <laughs> okay, what? No, I'm like, I'm just saying, like, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit of a different team coming out of here. I, I like, 
put let's put some faith in Manoa, which I've done and he's kind of failed, but many whatever. many a time, including your fantasy team. Yeah, um, I, I was considering dropping him. I'm not gonna lie. Okay, so yeah, three. <laughs> See, I I, I want to go two out of three, and I I have the games line, but. I'm not gonna. I'm not doing it. I'm not gonna do it. I can't do it. Why? Why would I do it? I just for me, I'd be delusional to do it. I mean, I'd love to be wrong, but I mean, how can anybody be confident that they're gonna do this and win two out of three this weekend? I'm certainly far from that. Um, I should have probably learned my lesson on that as well early on in the season. Going back to Canada Day for me, after that, I just you got to look at it from a different approach for whatever reason. When they're playing within their division, I'll say they win one out of three as well. It's gonna be. Definitely an unsuccessful weekend if that happens, but it feels like that's their best case scenario right now. Again, would love to be wrong. I'll say they win the middle game uh, with Barrios pitching because, I mean, he, he's been lights out. He's been somebody who continues to pitch so well. And in terms of a bounce back season, I'm like, I think we're all just really happy for the guy and, and you know, just thankful that he's on this team and he's gone back to what we have seen Jose Barrios do in the past. And in terms of, trying to end this off in a positive note for me. I think that's the best game to predict the win. So I'm, I'm going to say they win the Brios game in the second game. The one good thing that has happened this year is Jose Brios and Yusei Kikuchi as well. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, him. let's put some... Yeah. He's, he's, he's actually, not pitching this weekend, though. That's why I kind of... Yeah, well, but you're all right. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. You know what's yeah. funny, Great though? start again this series, yeah. Kikuchi, ERA-wise, has had the best season of his career this year. Like, I he think is... Mark and I discussed that a while ago, but yes... Yeah. That's the Ross Adkins magic. The Pete Walker magic, I guess. He deserves more of the credit. Um, okay, to update the standings a little bit. Bryson and I, I guess, we'll, we'll just stay the same. Right now we're three points apart. Bryson's at 54, I'm at 51. So that's not changing because we have the exact same prediction for this weekend. Um, Jacob, you're in third at 36 points. Uh, I expect you to lose ground after predicting an Alec Manoa win. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Doors open to anything. Um, as you say, maybe this uh, flight to Boston, to Logan Airport, is going to magically fix the team. It seems like you believe that, so we'll see. Um, okay, well, I'd be lying if I said I was looking forward to this weekend, but I'm going to be watching anxiously this weekend, and hopefully they can pull out some miraculous wins and get their first wins of the season against the Red Sox in August. Um, okay. As always, you can support our podcast and find everything to do with our podcast below this episode. There's links to our Discord. There's links to our YouTube, our Twitter, our Instagram, our TikTok, everything that you could ever want below this episode. Check them all out. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast or on Spotify if you enjoy what we're doing because it just helps spread the word about what we're doing here. Okay. Three games against the Red Sox. We will catch you Sunday night or Monday morning with hopefully a little bit more cheerful podcast. <laughs> <laughs>